0: Thank you guys for being here this morning. Welcome to the bridge. Uh, welcome to Student Invasion. Students all across the, the campus serving and leading worship and getting baptized. Wow. Uh, thank you guys for being here. If I can, just take one second. I'd let the brag on my wife just for a moment, if that's okay. My wife, is that okay? Okay. I'm going to do it anyway because I got a microphone and I can do it. Um, <laughs> my wife, Brooke Overton, uh, I have watched her birth three kids another three years which is just incredible and she manages our household well in that aspect it's her calling to be a wife and to be a mother and she does it well so well but man i have watched her over the past few weeks really be able to step into her calling in regards to ministry and not just her she has an incredible incredible team around her but they have put together this Beloved Girls Conference. And if you're a teenage girl in this room, or you're the parent of one, can I just put a plug in here and just encourage you to please, please get signed up for that because it will be a life-changing moment for you. I've seen it, I've I've helped, I've been involved in the planning, and it is just incredible. So I just wanted to affirm my wife because she's hot, She's she's a dang good mom, and just to be able to see her come together with other ladies in the church to pull this off, Man, and actually you can sign up today for only $10 uh, right up here at this table on your left when you exit the building. I also wanted to echo Pastor Andy and say thank you, thank you, thank you for what you gave this past weekend and what most of you give every single week. If you've ever wondered what happens when you place your money in the basket or you swipe that card, uh, let me just tell you that because you give, we're able to present Jesus in 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 a whole different way. To a specific grade, six to twelfth grade, man, and you guys give, you fund those resources, you give us the ability to do that. And since August of this year, over twenty students have found Jesus, and eight of them got baptized, or eight of them will get baptized this weekend. It's awesome. So, thank you, thank you. Um, I also just want to affirm the staff and the leadership of this church and you guys for allowing us to be here and to take over your service. I know that I don't look as good as Pastor Farrell, but I will try my best. I don't have his shoe game. Okay, I got black shoes on, but wait for it. Superman socks. I mean, that's—I mean, look at that right there. You know, I got, I got the sock game going on, but I'm just thankful that Student invasion is not just a weekend, it's not just a service here, but it is a culture throughout our church. And on any given weekend, over 50%, that's over almost right at 100 students, uh, are serving somewhere across both campuses. And thank you for allowing us to do that. That is what connects the students to the body. That's what keeps them in church. It's not your faith. It's not a really awesome youth group with cool lights and really good music. It's being connected to the body and letting them make a difference. And you guys allow us to do that. You empower them. You mentor them. So thank you so much for doing that. I wanted to start off this morning by telling you guys a story. I mentioned that I've got three kids. My oldest will be three on Tuesday. And I have a boy, Judah. He's the middle. He'll be two in January. And a day before he turns two, our youngest, Benjamin, turns one. So, um... Lainey will be three on Tuesday. She started, she just started preschool a few weeks ago. And I was, I was telling her a little bit, really trying to affirm her, but especially since preschool started, I tried to tell her all the time, baby, you know, every time we're riding in the car, every time before bailout, baby, you're a leader. You know, you're a leader. Do you know what a leader is? A leader is just someone that has influence. And if you don't know this by now, mommy and daddy do, when you do something, Bubba. Judah wants to do it. He wants to follow you. Ben is now mobile. He like, I don't, it's not a crawl. It's kind of like a, you guys ever seen The Worm? That's kind of what he does on the floor. And he'll do it all the way across the house. It's crazy. But when like, they, when they watch you do something, man, they want to do it. They want to climb on the table. They want to eat popsicles. Everything that you do, baby, you're a leader. And every single morning, or she goes uh, three days out of the week, I get the chance to take her to preschool and those 15 minutes are like the best time of my day. And Get to talk with her. I'm like, "Baby, you're a leader. You're a leader." You know, her favorite thing to do at preschool is to be the line leader. She freaks out. "Daddy, I'm the line leader." And so she loves it, you know, put your finger on your mouth, follow me when the teacher tells you do something, do what she says, pick up your toys. Well, uh, a couple about 2 weeks ago, we were cleaning her room up before bed and uh I cleaned the boys' room up and said, "All right, baby, come on, let's let's clean your room." And she goes, "No, Daddy. I don't want to clean my room." And I said, come on, baby, you know, let's go clean your room. Let's go clean your room. I don't want to clean my room. Well, I picked her up, took her in there, sat her down. I was like, baby, come on, let's clean your room up. Daddy's trying to go to bed. It's t- I'm tired. I had a long day. We played. We, we ate dinner. Let's, let's go let's clean your room and go to bed. And she looked at me, I promise you, with the biggest brown eyes ever. She said, Daddy, I don't want to clean my room. I'm the leader. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as a parent, I was like, oh, that's what that feels like. I've always wondered what that feels like when you talk back and smart off your parents. So, you know, I laughed and, you know, we talked about it and kind of corrected her through that and it was a learning moment and it was funny and I've told several people that story and they laugh and we all laugh um, because she didn't get it. But I'll be honest with you, I feel like for the most of us in this room who call yourself a Christian and identify with being a follower of Jesus and have been involved in church for the majority part of your life, that still don't get it, I don't think that's, Real cute. I don't think God finds that very funny when we still miss it. So my prayer is that today I'm not pointing my finger at you. I promise you, I'm pointing it at me first. But th- today, as a church, as the church, uh, tonight or today, this weekend, and and every week moving forward, that we would get it. That we would get the point of what it means to be the body of Christ. So if you will, just pray with me really quick, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you, God, for every life that was represented this morning getting baptized. Thank you for what you've done in their life. Thank you for the salvation. Thank you for the work on the cross. Thank you for allowing your people to be here no matter what we've done, no matter what we've said, no matter who we are. We can come in here today. We can belong and we can meet you through every aspect, from getting greeted at the door to being hosted as a first-time guest through worship and now through your word. I pray that you would move all across this room. You would touch our hearts. You would help us get it. God, give us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the heart to know you. Help us get it, God. God, I just pray for the Carolina Panthers today that you would just put a special blessing on them. Thank you, God, for taking AJ Green out. Maybe that will help us out. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, important stuff. I have been involved in church my whole life. I'm 25. My grandfather was a pastor. His son, my uncle, was a pastor, so I, I don't know this for sure. I'm pretty sure I was born on the back pew and was raised in church. And I, I know the words and the, of the songs and the hymns and the worship songs. And I know the motions. And I've read the Bible a lot. And um, it wasn't really until a couple years ago that God really showed himself to be true to me. His word, I read it just as a book for a long time, a set of instructions, a set of guidelines. But man, over the past few years, God and that's a good thing because I've been a pastor for about four, so that's good that uh, God has really just made himself true and made himself known. And there's a specific story in the Bible that over the past year has just wrecked my heart and captivated me. And He's brought me to this place so many times. See, 750 years before Jesus shows up, there's a prophet. To the nation of Israel, by the name of Hosea. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament prophets, uh, they always had a very peculiar, unique, head-scratching, this is crazy kind of assignment from God, right? Think of Isaiah and Jeremiah and the different prophets throughout. But in my opinion, Hosea has by far the craziest—I don't think I could do it—assignment from God. And maybe you've read the story, but if not, we're going to dive into the meat. Of that story this morning. See, God shows up to Hosea, who is easily one of the most popular people in the nation of Israel, most well-known. He is the mouthpiece of God to this nation. And he shows up to Hosea, and he tells Hosea the words that every man dreams to hear. Hey, buddy, it's your time to find a woman and put a ring on it, which is good, because now you can do things that married people do. And so Jose is getting excited, right? He's like, yes, this is it. This is my time. And then as you keep reading, there's really, there's two deal breakers, I think, that, I, that probably would have been a deal breaker for me. Two, two things that I identified. He says, all right, Jose, go find a wife. That's good. But I want you to marry a very specific woman. In fact, I want you to marry a prostitute. I want you to marry an active prostitute. So first, first, is probably like, hold up. And so that, that probably would have been a, a bit of a deal breaker for me. But then it keeps going on, and then God reveals who it is, and he goes to her, and he finds out that her name is Gomer. Right? <laughs> I'd have been like, all right, God, I, if I'm not going to handle the first one, we I can get past that. But uh, how am I going to, hey, hey, guys, this is uh, <clears throat> Gomer. This is my wife, <clears throat> Gomer, right? Oh, gosh. So. You go on, and if you read the first two chapters of, this, of the, the book of Hosea, it really seems like the marriage is going well. Everything by what we can tell on the outside looks like it's going well. They actually have three kids. But it doesn't, it's, it's not specifically in there how it happens. So if you allow me just some liberty to kind of visualize how, how when I read it, how I perceived it, and, and I encourage you to go read it for yourself. But I just kind of picture um, as we get towards the end of chapter 2, that Hosea and Gomer aren't doing so well. They're they're a little rocky right now. Maybe they aren't talking as much and they aren't eating dinner together and they aren't socializing as much. they are just kind of slowly drifting apart. A lot of scholars believe that as the kids got a little bit older and probably even early on and Hosea just tried to conceal it because he knew her past, they actually say that people believe that Hosea... Recognize that the, the youngest two kids didn't really even look like him. They didn't even, maybe they weren't even his kids. And before we get to chapter three, something happens in cha- between chapter two and chapter three. Something, something takes place. And when Hosea wakes up one morning, Gomer is gone. She's, she's gone. And so, as a husband, as a father, I just picture Miss, you know, where, roll over, she's not there. No no alarm yet. Maybe she's just in the kitchen cleaning, cooking, because that's where women tend to be. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. Just, just kidding. Uh, so he goes to the kitchen. He's looking for Gomer, and she's not there. He's like, okay, well, maybe she's in the kids' room. So he goes, goes to the kids' room, and he's looking, and She's not there, and he's starting to worry a little bit because he knows they've been kind of at odds, and they're starting to drift apart. And there's some questions going on about the kids, but I still love them. But you know, something's happening. I don't understand that she's not there. Maybe she's outside in the garden. He goes there. She's not there. So then he begins to look around in the marketplace, and he can't find her. Gomer is gone. We find we pick up the story in chapter three, verse one. It says this. I like this TV. This is cool. Uh, Can we get one of these in the carpenter's house? Y'all just gave money to offer it for a king. I'm about to take all of it and get me a TV. Um, (laughs) Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife. What's this word right here? Again. Go again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel even though the people have turned to other gods And love to worship them. In other words, the people who God has done so much for time and time again have chosen to be enamored to give themselves over to the things of the world. Go and love her again. So again, Hosea is like, it's your fault I'm in this. You told me to marry a prostitute whose name was Gomer, right? And now you're instructing me to go and find her? Another verse that says, go look for her again. I don't know that I could have done that. I, li- I would like to think that I would, but honestly, I don't know. But I just picture Hosea again. He's like, okay, have you seen, have you seen Gomer? He's just going around. Everybody he knows. Have you seen Gomer? No, no, man, I haven't seen her lately. He goes to a different marketplace. Have, have you seen Gomer? I can't find her. She's gone. I miss her. The kids miss her. Have you seen her? No. You haven't, we haven't seen her. And see, what happens is Gomer goes right back into the sex trafficking ring. She's a prostitute once again. So she's hanging around those places, if you know what I mean. See, sometimes to find the people that we love the most and the people that need the help the most, you got to go to the lowest places. you got to go to the places that nobody else wants to go, to reach the people that nobody else is really willing to reach. And Hosea sets out on this journey to find his wife again, even though she has fallen in love and gives herself and commits adultery with other men." And I just see Hosea going to the darkest places, the nastiest places. And this isn't in the Bible, so you don't take it for what it's worth, but I, what if, what if Hosea had to, had to find one of the guys she had been with? Can you imagine the awkwardness of that conversation? I don't know how to say this, but have you seen Gomer? No, man, I hadn't seen her. It's believed that when Hosea finally tracks her down and locates where she's at, he walks into the room and Gomer is standing naked on an auctioning block, about about to be sold. And I just picture Hosea busting in the door, and he's like, that's my wife. That's my wife. I just want to bring her home. I just, I just want to bring her home. Can I have her back? And the auctioneer's like, listen, I don't care who you are. I don't care who she is. There's a price. And if you want her, there's a price. And you've got to pay for it. So in verse 2, Hosea asked how much. And it says in verse 2, So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. So I bought her back. The word redemption simply means to purchase back what already belongs to you. To purchase back what already belongs to you. If you haven't figured it out yet, Hosea is Jesus. And we're Gomer. See, I married my wife on May, Twenty second, two thousand ten. Hey, that's Bernie points for me because I remembered and I didn't even ask her. May twenty second, two thousand ten. And uh, Pastor Freddie and Pastor Andy were up here marrying us together, and um, he asked us to repeat after him and make these vows. And and you know, if you believe this and you're going to do this, say I do. And we both repeated, I do. So we've been married for four years. we got three kids. So we were married a year before that. Don't be trying to add the math up. We were married a year before we got pregnant, okay? Um, church people. Um, anyway, so we got three kids, been married four years. And, you know, as you start, we dated for a year. We were engaged for a year. And then we were married for a year. And then we had kids. And it was like, as this, this thing kind of happened, you discover things that you didn't even know were there in that person, that that person was capable of doing or saying and saying. But at that point, you know, you got a ring on it, you got to love and through it anyway, right? Well, two things that Brooke does, see so I built you up, no, I'm going to cut you later, no, I'm just kidding. Um, two things that Brooke does that just drive me, I mean, I could run and do a backflip off this wall, it just makes me, oh, it grinds my gears, is, uh, see, I, I'm the sole provider for the family, so, you know, I got the money, I'm looking at the money, and um, so I'm, I'm like, money comes in, and then a bunch of money goes, Right. So I walk in the house sometimes, and see, when, when Brooke's in a room, and I'm sure she's doing something productive in that room, she'll walk out the room and leave the light on. And I've, got, I've come in the house sometime, and I'm like, daggone, are we in Motel 6? It's Trace Atkins somewhere, because every light, the daggone house is on. It's the middle of the day, right? Open the blinds. You don't even need the light on, right? Save that money. Save that, save that money. Save that power. Electricity. Man, but it's so funny. She will do it every time. In fact, I preached this message on Thursday night at the Goldsboro campus. Got home before her. Every light in the house was off except one in the back bedroom where she came out of before she walked out. And now I just laughed. Another thing is, so we got three kids a lot of diapers, a lot of wipes, a lot of money. And if you know anything about babies and baby wipes, the reason babies enjoy wipes so much better than a paper towel is because it's moist. But... Just for you new moms out there, here's a tip. If you and dads, if you leave the lid open on the wipe container, what will happen? The wipes will dry out. And then they're useless, right? And I'm just like, baby, just one more. It's like a half-second step. Just close that thing when you're done, right? But I've realized, and man, she could really, if she was up here preaching, uh, she could definitely say a lot more serious about me. Um, But I've realized That when I said I do to Brooke on May 22nd, 2010, I said I do to all of her. I do to all of her. And when Hosea said I do to Gomer, he said I do to all of her. And when Jesus looked at the Father and he's thinking of you, he said I do to all of you. How much? How much is the price? There is no price I'm not willing to pay. There is no payment that I'm not willing to make. Hosea buys her back. The story of redemption. To purchase back what already belongs to you. See, we already belong to God. Sin corrupted it. It messed it up. So God sent Jesus' as payment to, pay back, to, to buy back what already belonged to him. And here, Romans 5 8 says, this is how we know. That God loves us. This is how God proves his love. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hosea doesn't walk up to Gomer and say, oh, put your clothes back on. Um, you need to stop doing what you're doing. You need to fix yourself up. You need to go take a shower. Probably about five showers. You need to just, I'm, I don't even want to see you for like a month. And then when you're cleaned up and you're ready and you, you're, this is behind you, then you come home. He walks into to the room and says, that's my wife. How much do I have to pay to buy her back right now as she is? Jesus looks at us. He says, while you're still a sinner, while you were still in your envy, in your jealousy, in your anger, lust, insecurity, worry, doubt, while you were still in your sin, I pay the ultimate price for you. I pay the ultimate payment to buy you back. I love in verse 3 of Hosea, it's almost like he's renewing the vows again with Hosea. It says, then I said to her, you must live in my house. You must come home now. I'm buying you back. I I want you right now. And stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even me. He's saying, listen, I'm in this with you. We're gonna walk through this together. You're messed up. At the end of the day, I'm messed up too. And I'm gonna love you enough, I'm gonna say I do to you, I do to all of you, and I'm gonna do whatever I can to bring you home. See, the scandal, which is apparent in Hosea 3, there's obviously a scandal, right? But the scandal is not the adultery. The adultery is the sin. The scandal is the grace shown by Hosea. The scandal isn't our sin and our shame. The scandal is that a God would love us enough to come put on flesh, take our sin, bear it on his back, stretch his arms up on a cross, and hang there and bleed out and suffocate and die for us. That's the scandal. And it says in 1 John Chapter 4, verses 9 and 11. This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, because we didn't. Not that, not because Gomer loved Hosea, because she did, but that their love was enough, God's love was enough that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, this is it right here. Since God so loved, since God so loved, we also ought to love one another. I'm going to ask Winslow to come back out on the keys. He kind of looks like T.D. Jake, so maybe I can preach like him for the next five minutes. (laughs) Saving gomers is not pretty. Saving gomers is not clean and comfortable, it's messy. That kind of love is messy. The question I want to ask you today is would you go after Gomer if he asked you to? Here's the, here's the closing thought, if the gospel is true, then the gospel is true. Here's what I mean by that, most people have no issue trusting in the gospel of Jesus Christ to save them from hell and their sin. For some reason, we think that that gospel isn't strong enough for our marriage. Or that that gospel isn't strong enough to save my kid who's addicted to drugs and rebelling against church and everything that we've poured into them. Or that that gospel, that you would trust God with your soul but not with your money. But if the gospel is true, then the gospel is true. It transcends every area of our life. And we don't get to say yes to the gospel for our salvation, but say no because of our marriage. And we don't get to say yes to the gospel for our salvation, but no for our kids and our family members and our spouses and our finances. If the gospel is true, then the gospel is true. So maybe your response is, well, you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they're doing. You know what? Yes, I do. Because I had that same conversation with Jesus. And you know what? He went to the cross anyway. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that love, that power, that gospel that is now inside of you once you surrender your life to Jesus should drive you to go after gomers, your spouse, your kids, the teenagers across this community who have no father, no mother, are addicted to drugs. Have All they're looking for is someone to care about them, someone to show up, someone to be consistent. But it's not gonna be comfortable, it's gonna get messy, it's not gonna be easy. You think it was easy for Hosea to walk in there and see his wife naked? About to be sold? Do you think it was easy for Jesus to leave the comfort of heaven next to his Father to come down here and put flesh on? To be beaten beyond recognition, have his beard ripped out. You know who else hung in shame as he was sold? Jesus, naked for everyone to see, vulnerable, Will you go after Gomer? Because the truth is here today that either you are a Gomer or you recognize that you're Gomer and you realize what Hosea has done for you, what you realize what Jesus has done for you, and now it's time for you to get up out of your seat and go pursue, to go look for them again. And if you believe in the gospel, you can't say no to that. It's not a choice. It's not an option. And I realize that there's all kinds of situations, and you can come up here and say, yeah, but, yeah, but, and I get that. I've cried with some of you. I've prayed with some of you. I know we as pastors and staff, we know what some of you are going through, but I'm just telling you, the gospel is true. So God, we just lift you up here today in this house. All across this room, there's different situations and different things that we need. Your grace, we need your strength. So God, I just pray that you would move in our hearts and in our lives. You would draw us close to you. see your name I pray. Amen.